How's everybody doing tonight? It is episode 235 of the Growing with Fishes podcast. Uh, today we have a really good friend of mine, um, Bane. Um, he, he was originally um, someone I met doing a consulting uh, project and then later on uh, he came and became a student of mine at my class and then uh, later on moved over to uh, becoming the head grower at uh, Vertica Aquaponics. So thanks a lot for joining us tonight, Bane. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, Steve. Always happy to be here. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah. Second here. Got to pull one or two things up. It's been kind of a long day. We've been traveling. I went and visited him today. We're going to show you guys a bunch of cool pictures. Um, before we get to that, though, I did want to do a little quick uh, message here. Um, if you guys are looking for great uh, aquaponic cannabis information, um, you can check out apmjclass.com. Uh, Marty and I have a full uh, a week-long class on aquaponic cannabis growing, and uh, we cover all aspects, the technicals, um, nutrients, uh, ferments, pest control, all different types of stuff, um, a di you know, construction diagrams, and, and all types of other things, um, So and farm tours, uh, uh, how-to guides, um, reference guides, all different types of stuff. So definitely check that out if you're looking for more con that type of content. Alrighty, well, um, without further ado, um, thanks a lot, Bain, for joining us. Um, why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about what you do there, or a little bit about uh, Vertica Aquaponics and, and what you're doing there, and then we'll go into maybe a little bit on your background after that. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So uh, here at Vertica, we're operating at about 20,000 square feet of greenhouse facilities split between two different buildings. Uh, we're doing all aquaponics. What you see behind me here is uh, out of the aquaponics room, you've got our, uh, and you'll see a bunch of this in the video later, of course, but our dual root zone um, deep water culture beds. And then we also do a combination of grow styles there with the deep water culture beds and then we do container pots on rolling benches for some of our uh, flowering. So what we're really dedicated to is uh, like I said aquaponic cannabis growing the best quality uh, product we can for the Oklahoma market. You can uh, find our stuff directly at our dispensaries. We've got uh, two locations open and open for business and one coming soon. So that's uh, in Oklahoma City in Norman and then uh, coming soon to Stillwater. So you can grab all our stuff there, try it out for yourself, and yeah, I hope you enjoy it. So tell us a little bit about uh, the um, your different cultivars that you guys are growing there. So we're still currently expanding pheno hunting as uh, every month we'll pop a few more beans and try out new strains, but some of the ones we're real excited about right now uh, that are going to be in stores for uh, 420 is uh, probably my number one. If I had to pick a favorite is our Wook Stomper right now. Uh, it came back really good. It's a super earthy, just uh, really nice, really nice flower. Uh, it has a beautiful color to it, especially like as it fades going into late, late towards harvest. Uh, it's a really pretty plant and nice smoke off of it. 
So if I had to pick a, a shining star, it'd be that Wook Stomper. It's a nice uh, indica for it that uh, is doing really well for us. But uh, also up on that list, we've got a gelato that I think we kind of focus in on in some of these videos. Uh, it's a really nice purple, another real uh, heavy indica plant, certainly in terms of structure, just short, squatty. Uh, and then it has these really dark purple buds that are nice. And while it's not like the highest testing in THC that we have, it's a nice mellow smoke. And like I said, that color and taste on it's really nice. So those would probably be the uh, old reliable in terms of the OG and then the new shining star is uh, the Wook Stomper. Those are the ones we're really excited about. And what you're rolling through right here, these pictures are uh, some of the auto flowers we've got going. We're excited about those as well. We've got a uh, wedding cake and then a lemon haze on those beds that are ripening up right now, probably about to get the chop here next week. Uh, but they're, they're coming along nicely. There's a, a couple of pictures and videos there of them. They really blown up on our, our pools. They were our first run of the auto flowers here on some of our deep water culture uh, with the dual root zone pot on top. Uh, some of our first trial runs and they've, uh, they've done really well for us. As you can kind of see in these pictures there, they're a bit all over the place in terms of uh, genetic stability, but uh, overall the quality is still there and I think it's gonna make some really nice extracts. Oh yeah, these pictures you're showing right here are wild. We have a, uh, so this is one of our moms we've got on the pool. I wanna say it's a Aloha Limon, which is another another nice one that'll be in stores for 420. But uh, some of our mom plants are getting really large. And this one you can see here is like bursting out of the bottom of the soil layer up there. And then we've got it in a, in a little net cup with some hydrogen material inside there that you can tell it's shoved clear out of the pot and you can't even see the hydrogen anymore. Just made its own little braid of uh, braid of roots in there. And you can see some of our pieces of our foam board we've had to kind of prop her up and support her, keep her from getting too out of hand. But yeah, at the farm, uh, what you're seeing there is the, the heart and soul of the aquaponics. We're really, like I said, we're trying out some of those auto flowers, but the mom, the mom beds we have have been uh, where our aquaponics has really shined and the vegetative growth we're able to achieve on some of those has been really astounding. Like that picture there <laughs> with Steve, that, that mom gives us uh, a couple hundred, couple hundred clones anytime you want to go and give her a haircut. So and she just jumps right back a week later, you know, just asking for more. So that's uh, that's probably been really our, one of our real strong points out of the farm is, has been these moms in the dual root zone and uh, on the that aquaponics, the vegetative growth is just crazy. And really, I mean, the flowering's pretty phenomenal as well. You can see from those auto flowers.
Oh, I'm here talking to myself. I didn't even realize I was muted. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you. Oh, here I am talking to myself. I was wondering why no one was say uh, why you weren't responding. Oh, no, um, no. I said uh, you you uh, you have a really nice um, uh, facility there with uh, and there aren't too many people. What really amazed me was the size of the the auto flowers. Uh, that you had there, you know, not too many people are growing stuff. It's the size of a two liter bottle. And there's quite a few in that room that are actually that large, you know, there. And, and it's one of the things where I really tell people, you know, if you're new to, to cannabis growing and you're growing in aquaponics, um, this really can be auto flowers. You know, you're not going to get ultra consistency. Uh, you're going to get a, you know, a quite a schizophrenic variation and, and pheno variation, but you know, those, those plants are huge. You know, here's a picture. I mean, those are enormous. You know, people would, would die to have plants that look like that. You know what I mean? So yeah, I I couldn't agree more, especially in terms of the uh, very different uh, expressions that we're seeing on those pools. Uh, I mean, so as you can see, we have in that picture there are, believe it or not, two only two strains, <laughs> not the not the uh, probably about dozen different phenotypes and expressions you can see across there so while they might not have been the most stable I, I agree with you we've seen some really crazy size in terms of uh some of the colas that are on those are just massive i mean as as big around in your fist and a, a solid foot and a half long long just up that central cola um it, it's been surprising i i was skeptical at first going into it you know with high hopes but uh always planning for the worst, but hoping for the best kind of thing. And uh, they've, they've exceeded our expectations, certainly. I mean, look at, that's another one that's just like Dr. Seuss level, you know, just all yeah, nug. You, you can see we had to tie a couple of them up because they were getting pretty wobbly on us and, and real top heavy there. I mean, those are huge, huge buds. So. <laughs> I like your your face in the back laughing. I just saw that too. <laughs> uh, that's just how it makes you feel when you're running up and down the rows of auto flowers just blooming to their full potential. Yeah. Uh, someone's asking what strain are in these buds. Uh, so this one in the picture right now is the wedding cake. And then we also have a lemon haze on there on the right hand side of the pictures. Now, some of those real, real lanky ones are uh, the lemon haze. All right. Let me uh, take a sneak peek here and see. Uh, so, so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what's going on? Maybe people haven't seen a dual root zone uh, set up on a DWC before. Maybe someone has lettuce yeah. and they're thinking about trying some plants. So what's going on right here, what you see, these whiteboards are uh, a styrofoam, just an expanded polystyrene board. We, we got them about three inches thick and then wound up, we wound up getting just blank boards and cutting them our, ourselves, uh, doing like a little hot knife and, and slicing out our own little custom holes to fit uh, what is a five gallon bucket topper little neck cup. So we then set that down inside the six inch hole, fill it with hydrogen material and then set our our pot on top of it and then that pot itself is Steve one of your kind of classic dual root zones with the 
the burlap layer and then the soil sitting on top of that so the the roots can permeate go right through hit that hydrogen underneath and then spread out into the aquaponic system down below and those white boards are sitting there floating on between 12 and 14 inches of water uh that's continuously recirculating through our fish tanks well through the fi filtration fish tanks and then round and round it goes And really, I don't know if you've got one of those pictures of the roots queued up in there, Steve, but uh, a main part of our filtration is really happening right in the beds because we've got a, a jungle of, of roots down underneath some of those moms. And really, they're only a couple months old and they've totally filled out that, uh, that space with, uh, below them there on the pools. Oh, you're muted, Steve. All right. Well, since we're waiting on a couple of other videos to upload, figured maybe we'll cover this one. For you guys, the water catchment. So I figured you let us, you could talk to us about this. Yeah, certainly. So we, we've we uh, plumbed up all of our greenhouse space across the facility all drains down channels and we've had we've got about 7,000 gallons of uh, raining catchment out at the farm you can see down below it's all plumbed there where we can go and let it straight into the system uh, so really we can serve a, a ton of water just from the closed loop nature of the the aquaponic system and then on top of that everything that we're putting into it is primarily rainwater really we only rarely uh, add any of the municipal water in and are able to just go all straight from what we catch out at the farm. And, and you can see, you can see it here. out here in Oklahoma. Yeah, and you can see it here uh, at the bottom how it's plumbed directly into the lower building. Mm -hmm. So the advantages of having it higher is that it can- Yeah, the, that little climb up to the, uh, the flowering building helps us there. Yeah, and that's actually what what you're seeing here is our our separate flowering room. So, in there is where all uh, all the plants they don't leave the aquaponic system, but they start there uh, in the form of those moms. We'll clone them, grow them up, and then they go onto the rolling benches inside inside these buildings here to flower. All right, I think I got video of those rolling benches. Hold on. In fact, I know I did. In fact, before that, why don't you tell us a little bit about this space? Oh, let me, oh, forgot to turn sharing back on. Dope, dope, dope. So this is a, a Oh yeah, certainly. Free filter, uh, filter area. Yeah, so the, the whole front side of our greenhouse building there is covered in a thrip screening. So we can keep out most of most of our uh, bugs that are flying around. And uh, what you see here on the left-hand side is a guillotine wall. So those uh, that white board there actually moves on a on a cable and track system up and down those little rails, and will will open the shutters that let air flow into there. And it's black behind it because we've got our light deprivation fins in there that keep it so. Even if you, you have to open and vent in the middle of the daytime and the gals are sleeping inside, you know, there's no light penetration through that, uh, through that vent there to, you know, 
cause any kind of any kind of issues with your light schedule. But that's it's really great little space saver and keeps you from having those big swinging doors come out and we're able to utilize that as a nice little through fair and bring you know wagons carts or sprayers anything you got on there and, and bring it right in to that filtered airspace and not have to worry not have to worry as much about any kind of contamination from the outside world creeping in yes and this is this is inside uh on the other side of that that vent wall See if I can not murder my internet connection here while doing this. Why don't you tell us about this? Yeah, so what's going on here is these are this is our rolling benches. This is where all the uh, the plants come up here to flower after we've vegged them for for our uh, you know the appropriate amount of time. We get them up here in our containers. We mix all our own soil on on site. We get a, a local little topsoil and then cut in a few of our own ingredients, amend as as needed, fill our pots here. Uh, which takes a lot of time, but it, it allows us to kind of tweak and customize our blend, uh, you know, whether they're going to be moms, whether they're going to be going up to flower or, you know, some of those heavy feeding plants, we can kind of tweak and play with that soil mix. And then they go onto our rolling bench system where we can then irrigate them. We've got them all set up with uh, some little drain catchments so we can collect, manage all that runoff, that run through water. And yeah, here's a video of the rolling benches. So it shows you, uh, they're pretty nifty. They let us really, you know, maximize our square footage in the greenhouse and while also being able to keep little walkways in between so you can get in there, check every plant, you know, get right into the thick of this room, which when you've got it stacked like we do right now with uh, several hundred plants, you can still check on that, that weird one way out there in the middle that's looking kind of yellow and, and see what's going on with it. But at the same time, you're not gobbling up a ton of space for walkways all the way through the greenhouse. No, I've noticed you have the nets up above that. Do you uh, wait until just about the flower set and then bring those down, or, yeah, so or those uh, do you kind of have those there in case you need them in case they stretch? You can bring them down, or yeah. So we're letting them get there. They're about week two right now, so they're. They're stretching and we do plan on dropping those nets down on them. We got a little hung up with, with some of our trimming this week, but we're going to get those nets pulled down on them here in the next few weeks. Once they, yeah, like you said, start getting a little heavy, we'll get them under the net, spread them out a little bit more, make sure all those pretty nugs have their own little, their own little happy place to hang out in uh, as they get nice and fat, <laughs> nice and heavy. <laughs> um, how have you found that uh, you've grown a bunch of different ways, aquaponics, soil, hydro, you've also done lots of different vegetables. Um, how have you found that aquaponics differs from, uh, you know, those other grow methods? Because you've grown a lot side by side as well. Yeah, we've done, we've done a fair amount of in-ground. Definitely, I've, I uh, decided pretty early on, I saw the differences kind of between 
the uh, in-ground lifestyle and the aquaponic lifestyle, mostly in terms of, of weeding and some of the prep work and labor required to keep that looking nice and pretty. Uh, and I've been doing aquaponics, aquaponics ever since. But the main, the main differences, the main advantages I'd see is you really can get uh, a speed of growth like I haven't seen very often in soil. Maybe in some of like you know the richest stuff when it's just right and you're getting enough rain, you can you can get them growing as fast in soil. But I haven't seen anything outpace uh, what we've got going in the aquaponics really. One other thing I was going to point out is look how well the air cover is. You can kind of see these pulses and waves go through the room and the canopy. You know, that's providing really good airflow, preventing powdery mildew. You know, that's what a, a, a cannabis room should look like. You know, if you're not having that kind of airflow, you can definitely run into problems. And even though you guys have quite a bit of um, uh, leaves in the canopy, you know, they're really powering up those buds. And, um, you know, you're still getting really good airflow in there despite the... Uh, the high plant density. So I just wanted to point that out is that it's it's very well laid out. Well, thank you. We definitely jam packed it full of fans. The, we, you know, had the, the recommended setup for how many HAFs you need in a building of this size. And we went through and just about doubled it just to get the, the amount of canopy movement. Because, you know, for climate control reasons, it was it was doing fine. But just that volume of air over top of those plants, we, we felt really benefits them a lot. Here's another room. This one's, oh, hey, Marty, how's it going? Hey, Marty. Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? We're all doing well. How about you? Mm -hmm. I'm doing. <coughs> Still kicking anyway. Okay. Well, good to see you, man. Yeah. Garden's looking good, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, this, this is one of the rooms we just harvested on Monday, so you can kind of see bare bones what it looks like before we get it cleaned out. Uh, we'll be tossing all that soil out, cutting it into our compost pile, getting it rejuiced and ready to go for round round two, three, four, five, and, and so on. But yeah, we, we'll go through, pull down all this net, and we string up a, a new fresh net so it's nice and clean each time. Wash the room down, you know, get it. Make sure it's nice and bug free for the, the new batch of ladies in there. Very cool. Here's the light depth. You can you can see the light depth curtains up there and he's got drip screening up high as well as some light diffusion, trying to help reduce some of that heat in the summertime. And uh, the big dehue in the middle there to help uh, pull the moisture out of the air. Definitely yeah, that, important to have those. That, that dehue is, is awesome <laughs> that's one of the uh, mvps out there for us for sure they'll pull uh i think that unit there is the 12 pints an hour and then the, the large flower section we've got one that does 20 and they crank some of that water out of there and keep it keep it nice and dry all right let's see what other goody videos oh there's this one Can't forget this one. The real magic happens, really, is in the outhouse where the real thinking gets done. <laughs>
absolutely. It's the most important building. Mm -hmm. That's really the critical piece of the whole system that we got going out there. So the real heart of that upper building is this room. All right, here we are at Vertica again. Sorry. I'll let you guys, uh, I'll let you tell us about this beam. Yeah, sure. All right, there we go. Yeah, so this is the uh, tank room for the uh, flower house. We haven't gotten aquaponics fully, a full aquaponic system moved up the hill to our new space just yet. But uh, what you see behind me is our, our best, uh, best approximation. We pump system water straight up from the, from the rafts down below, pump that into those little mixing tanks, those mixing tanks, they're not so little. We, we're, we can do 500 gallon batches in each of these, uh, but throw our aquaponic water in there. And if we need to make any amendments or add in our compost teas, stuff like that, that's all done in these tanks right here. And then we're able to send that out to the different rooms. Uh, and we go through and, and hand water all of our plants. Uh, we think that's really a good way of, it's labor intensive, but it's a good way of getting in there, giving everybody the uh, the attention they really deserve and, and checking. It's a good time to do some, you know, a little bit of, bit of bug inspection, just to, as always, check on the plants as they're growing and monitor, monitor, monitor at every, at every turn so we can get out ahead of problems whenever possible. Yeah, we just got these guys actually replumbed these mixing tanks on the side, so we're able to move back and forth between them and and add our add all our different brews together and mix and match and doctor everything up just right. So it's it's been a huge help out there. And as always, you'll see a bunch of uh, our probes sitting over there. We we always monitor our pH, super important. Make sure that's sitting, sitting pretty. We don't really do any automatic pH dosing though. That's something that we shy away from. Uh, always important to monitor and then, you know, manually go in there when necessary and, and adjust pHs. We've, we've seen some issues with that in the past. Yeah. Not at this farm, but <laughs> in other grows. I think it's made fools of us all sometimes. Um, yeah, there's a, 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 I see this quite a bit where people do the, the kind of the, the nutrientless uh, soil mixes and then the, uh, you know, have it all fed from the aquaponic system, either from through the bottom or, or from the top um, through drip lines. I know we had them, the other grow we were working at, we did them all through drip, just like this. Uh, not a cocoa, because cocoa does kind of fuck, fuck shit up, but, uh, you know, like a pro mix or something like that, that, mm -hmm. you know, you're just kind of feeding with the aquaponic water. A lot of people are a little more comfortable with that. And uh, a lot of investors are a little more comfortable with that sometimes too, off the bat, and then convert over later on. And you guys do both there, you know, full traditional DWC and media bed and, you know, hybrid style. So it's really cool to see all those. And then not only that, but, you know, all of them are producing really high quality stuff. So it's really good to see. Well, thanks. Yeah, we're, it's definitely a uh, ever growing and evolving thing out at the farm. We're, we're trying to, you know, try new things, see what's working best for our environment before we kind of go all in on any one grow method. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, they've all been doing so well, it's hard to pick. 
We have, uh, we'll get the fish room here and the, the mom room and the rest of the facility in a moment. It's just finishing uploading. Uh, um, do you want to tell us about some of the other things that you got, or what are some of the other um, uh, different, uh, oh, I know. Hold on a second. There we go. So if anyone's looking for to actually buy some of this and you're in Oklahoma, If I can get the website to load. There we go. Um, you can actually go to Vertica. They have a menu for o Oklahoma City and Norman. I believe you guys also have a Tulsa location now, yes? Or is no, it no, not in Tulsa just yet. We are sorry, coming soon. We are, are coming soon to Stillwater. Yeah. Um, but they have all different types of cool stuff. Um, they have a little gift shop and stuff in the front too. So, um, but yeah, if you are looking for high quality aquaponic cannabis, they are the best in the state, the biggest in the state. Uh, and definitely the uh, the go-to for aquaponic cannabis for sure. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, Steve. Your endorsement is always uh, greatly appreciated. But yeah, you you can find uh, our information at verticadispensary.com or of course follow the farm at uh, Vertica Farms OK on Instagram. But uh, if you go to that verticadispensary.com, you can find links to all that all that good stuff there, as well as menus and locations and where to find us and upcoming deals and all that fun stuff. Steve, did you already answer these questions in chat? Uh, no, I haven't answered any questions in chat. Let me look here. Okay, cool. Somebody, uh, oh, Felipe, uh, shout out to him. He's part of our class. Uh, wants to know if uh, these are all autos. Um, so the ones you've seen in the pools on the dual root zone setup on the floating rafts, those are all auto flowers. The ones on the rolling benches, those are all of our photo period plants. So currently right now, the deep water culture, that building does not have a full light depth system on it. We have shade curtains and that kind of stuff, but we're not able to run, obviously, uh, photo period plants alongside our moms. We don't have a way of going down, at least not yet. We're working on some prototype stuff, but we don't have a way to black those out. So currently right now, autos on the pools and then the rolling benches have all of the photo period plants. Awesome. And then one other question was, it says, do they leaf trim? I think what Jeff is trying to ask is if you defoliate, I would imagine he's not asking if you actually trim your... No, certainly your we, uh, these auto flowers that you're seeing right here actually haven't really been defoliated hard, but on a lot of our photo period plants, those ones on the, on the benches, we will defoliate them, uh, couple times through veg, depending on how long we're growing them out, and then at least twice during their flower, uh, about halfway through, and then we give them another good one right there at the end. Cool. Uh, somebody uh, just says, hash rosin, question mark. I don't know what that, like, do they like it? Do they make it? But what are you looking for there? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Two thumbs up? Yes. Yeah, two thumbs oh, up for sure. Uh, we are <laughs> planning on making extracts with uh, the auto flower that you see here on the pool, if that's the question you're asking. Uh, Bain, um, you've been growing um, uh, aquaponics for a long time. In fact, you were the farm manager for one of, or I think at one point was the second or third largest organic certified aquaponic uh, facility. Uh, in the United States. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about some of your other previous experience or just some of the other uh, 
you know, you're, you, this isn't the only thing that you've done in, in aquaponics. And, I, and I'd love for you to talk a little about some of your other amazing experiences. No, certainly. So I actually got started in aquaponics. The very first farm I worked at uh, doing aquaponics was down in Bryan, Texas, while I was going to school at A&M. Uh, there's a great little place down there called Earth Galley Farms, uh, or also known as Aquatic Greens Farms. That's what you can find it as now, or AG Farms. Uh, and we were doing, uh, like you said, we were doing a bunch of lettuce. This was not certified organic. This was just, you know, kind of the good old farm to table. We were doing the farmer farmer's market thing. We were growing a bunch of lettuce in the aquaponics, as well as just about anything else that we could get to grow in there uh, from tomatoes, a whole bunch of green onions, uh, cilantro, celery, everything in between. And then that's where we did a lot of our side-by-side -side experiments uh, with stuff in the half acre out back, just in ground, you know, doing some of your uh, more traditional like row crops and corns and radishes and all, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, that was down there in College Station. After that's when I jumped up to uh, BFF in Terrell, Texas doing lettuce. And we specialized in 100% lettuce there. We were running a, we were about 100,000 gallons in system volume uh, and did 6,000 heads of lettuce every week at a, at a commercial level. And we were doing, doing you know, wholesales to the grocers in, in Texas and bringing, you know, fresh organically started produce to the people and had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, and then Oklahoma decided to go ahead and, and make some new laws and, and change, mix some things up. And so about two years ago is when we came up here uh, to Oklahoma, started doing a lot more cannabis. Well, we weren't doing any cannabis before, of course, uh, not down there in Texas. We, uh, but came up here, started doing aquaponic cannabis uh, full force and and have been digging it ever since. Awesome. And you did some hydroponics or something like that before that or so other? No, not not too much hydro experience actually for me. Uh, you know, other other than a little bit of nutrient supplementation here and there for top dresses and things like that. Uh, I was all all in ground and then started doing like I said still early on and really been uh, all on board for that. So what are some of the things you've got a chance to go to quite a few different grows as well over the years. What are some of the kind of the common things you see people do wrong at some of the bigger grows? Cause you've worked at a couple of different large ones and, and kind of come into those grows in a situation where maybe uh, uh, someone else before you uh, didn't quite have the right idea, um, but you were able to come online and, and really stabilize the place and, and really make them sing. Um, uh, what are some of the different things that you've seen kind of were or misconceptions that were maybe applied wrong in a commercial scale um, by, by other people that, you know, didn't quite have the, the same training that you did? Definitely. Uh, I'd say the two to like paint with broad strokes, the two biggest things are going to be for me, your nutrient program and then your IPM, your uh, pest management program uh, are kind of the, the two pillars that everything's standing on. And uh, as far as the IPM side, I think really trying to clean up and secure as many entry and exit points, well, minimize as many entry and exit points into the greenhouse as you can, and then control those as, most, as much as possible. 
would be uh, a huge of huge importance for me at, at this scale. Really trying to keep all the baddies out and keep uh, keep your beneficials in. Not they're really trying to run away or anything like that, but uh, being able to isolate yourself from the from the outside and what that kind of the dangers that can bring is uh, huge. And then obviously for IPM, uh, that goes with scouting, making sure you're doing a good job of, of keeping those things out and uh, being able to identify kind of pests before they really take off and identify it when it's a nuisance and not a catastrophe and kind of nip it before it gets out of control. Those are, those are the big things for keeping IPM in check. And then as far as the nutrient program goes, honestly, I, uh, I'd have to, uh, give a lot of credit to you in that in that regard uh, i found y'all's classes uh extremely helpful in getting everything kind of dialed in uh in terms of some of your you know key numbers and making sure your your supplementations on point because contrary to popular belief you do have to kind of you have to feed them a little bit uh give them a little bit of extra supplementation the fish don't give absolutely everything in the correct proportion that uh some of these heavy feeders really like and that's where the dual root zone comes in and you can really top feed without having to cause any issues or any headaches for yourself. Uh, so yeah, if those, those the, the two big things, IPM and, and nutrients. If anyone's thinking about getting the class, um, I highly recommend uh, uh, getting the class before 420. And if you do use code 420 and you get 150 bucks off. So um, definitely, uh, uh, check that out. Um, you know, you get a 150 bucks off the class. We're doing a big discount again. Uh, so definitely check that out. If you are been kind of on the fence about it, um, you know, between now and, uh, and midnight on uh, Pacific on 420, um, we are going to do a, uh, uh, you know, at the end of the day, not the beginning, um, we're going to do 150 bucks off on the class. So remember key, uh, code 420, on um, our coupon code 420 at apmjclass.com for 150 bucks off the class. So definitely check that out. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, just to clarify um, that to uh, hash Robin, uh, question, I guess you guys were talking about the dispensary earlier and they were wondering if you guys were making some to put in the dispensary because it is uh, severely underrepresented. So any response to that? I certainly agree with that uh, statement that it's a, a little underrepresented. We do have hash rosin available at the dispensary. Uh, most of this stuff is likely going the uh, hydrocarbon route for, for the bulk of its extraction. Very cool. Awesome. So what, uh, what type of fish do you have there? Uh, I know we're still waiting on the video to finish uploading. So what we're running right now is, uh, as you, as the uh, very experienced aquaponics may ex experts might see, we're running an, a converted Nelson and Paid system. You, that becomes more apparent when you see the fish room. So we do have some holdover tilapia from when when this place long ago was a vegetable farm, and uh, we're running those, and then we're slowly phasing in more and more uh, butterfly koi. We've, we really like them, super, super hardy, and we've got some really pretty fish that are fun just to sit back and look at, if, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, so we're, those are the two varieties we've got out at the farm right now. And looking on moving more and more of the koi in and some of the tilapia out. 
maybe into the fryer, something, some other fitting resting place. <laughs> I know at one, some of the other places I've worked, uh, the tilapia tend to participate during Taco Tuesday. Oh yeah. So what um uh, what are some of the other uh, uh, maybe tips or tricks you have out there for people that are doing commercial aquaponics? You're one of the few people that does it uh, on a daily basis at a, a scale far larger than than most other people. So uh, uh, I guess what other tips do you have for commercial growers out there? I would say get get comfortable with a a microscope, both a compound and something that's you know twenty to hundred x and get really comfortable with spending time with your plants and, and staying on top of them and, and looking at them because looking for, for bugs and, and nutrient deficiency and other kinds of issues that pop up and being able to catch them early is really, uh, really key because you can get away and you can, you can fix some stuff if you're doing it, you know, small scale in a, in a closet or in your tent or, or whatever. But when you have this many plants, if you, wait until it becomes obvious it's you know it's too late and you've got a huge chunk of the room that's that's hurting and suffering and you may or may not be able to you know pull them back from that in a way that agrees with your timeline so being able to catch it early is key uh stop it from snowballing and getting getting really bad so yeah get comfortable with that scope and pick leaves every day and look at them and stare at them and look closer. And when you think you've looked again enough, go, go grab a couple more and bring them, bring them back to the scope and, and keep searching. Uh, and do it at different times of the day and in different areas and really try to try to see everything there is to see. Cause they'll, the plants try to tell you what's going on. If you'll, if you'll watch and if you'll listen. Yeah, one, I think one of our longer videos in the IPM section of the class is about scouting and the importance of scouting. Um, just uh, not only, um, you know, methods or how to do it or any of that, but just, um, you know, different things to look for and making the most use of your time as you're going through picking out leaves and how to bag them up. A lot of practical things about how um, to be efficient at scouting uh, to keep that stuff down. And so um, it's definitely one of the things that I feel like um, is undervalued on a lot of uh, corporate farms that they don't want you to spend time um, being proactive on stuff like that. You know, like if it's not gonna die, just <laughs> let it go. Yeah, why, are you, why are you staring at all these leaves? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The plant looks healthy, just let it be healthy. No, you got to keep it healthy. That's the whole, right. that's the whole game. Right. Like you see this healthy leaf, it looks good, but look under the microscope and there's little yeah. bugs crawling around, you know. See that one, it can turn into 10 and turn into 20. And... <laughs> yeah. There's me playing on tanks. Bane's a seasoned veteran aquaponic grower. This is what I mean. I mean, you can't teach that. That's intuition <laughs> right there. Uh, no. This was uh, me. Bain helped me build a farm that was up in northern Oklahoma. Is that and, eight seconds? I don't know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> no, uh, we counted it out. I made sure to get it. We got the count. Okay. All right. All the right. construction videos. But uh, ultimately, we ended up flooding them, putting a hose, wedging them, and then putting a hose between it and, and having the water help us lift it and breaking the, the vacuum. 
uh, seemed to be the best way to do it. But uh, we did all kinds of funny stuff to try and get these things open. Yeah, we were hanging them from the back of that backhoe in the background. We were had them strapped to that and we're dropping them and trying and shaking them loose. It was uh, it was a hoot. Honestly, this is an underrated machine that I would like to uh, to get another one of. Just a big soil mixer and pot filler that uh, is hard to beat. If you're getting into any type of large scale, uh, you know, cannabis, be it soil or you know, aquaponics, you really do need to get a pot filler. Now, this was a ghetto rigged uh, pot filler from yeah, this an is old a grain old mixer. Renovated, yeah, feed. It was a repurposed, rather repurposed feed mixer. Yeah, that, uh, that did just fine for for what we were trying to do. Yeah, we were able to fill a hundred gallon pots every ten seconds or so, uh, and then when we had a, a skid steer driver, a tractor driver, and two people manning the the bags, it was fast. I mean, we could do you know a couple hundred, uh, you know, hundred plants a day easy. It was. Uh, it, de it definitely beats the. To or worse, just the, the old hand-powered shovel. <laughs> oh, yeah. It saves your back when you're doing several hundred containers. So what are some of the other different things that you've seen uh, growing aquaponics? You know, have you noticed? I know that you're averaging now, uh, you know, well above 2% terpenes. Do you want to talk a little bit about that against some of the other you know, because I know earlier you had grown both the same cuts in soil and in aquaponics up north. So do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, some, especially now that you got everything a little more, more dialed in down there at Vertica, you're, you're really getting some nice numbers now. Yeah, we've, we've been really pleased that, uh, that Wook Stomper I was talking about earlier came back testing 29% on THC and 3% in total terpenes, uh, and is, yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> we, we like that one a lot. We've seen a lot in the side-by-sides I've done. I have seen typically, you know, a 0.5 to as much as 1% increase in the in the terpenes. Now, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into something like that. But uh, terpene production, in my opinion, is certainly higher in, in the aquaponic, but we've seen it in, in several different cases. Yeah, that, that Wook Stomp is really the shi the shining star of that batch. But we've had, we're getting, oh, there's a there's a couple that are down there in that 1.5. But yeah, it's uh it's generally in the two to three percent range for our for our terpene profiles or our total uh, terpenes rather. I'm excited to see what this 100% auto flower dual root zone in the deep water culture brings. Uh, but we're we're looking to chop those probably next week and get them off to the testing in the following week. So we'll get numbers back from that and that'll be exciting as well. Oh yeah, there they are. There's our babies. So these are the butterfly koi we've got going right now. They're about three, four months old, they're about, or that's how long they've been at our farm. This is about three, four months. And uh growing like weeds, they're little chow hounds. Anytime you come in through that door, 
that's that's what they that's what you see. They all come zooming up from the bottom of the tank and and greet you. They're they're a real friendly batch, and we're looking to get a lot more of them at the farm. And we're really pleased with them too, just in in comparison to the tilapia. Although we haven't gotten to the point of selling any of these koi, uh, I think our our price point is going to be many times greater than what we could get for a, a tilapia of the same size. And that's really a good point too. A lot of commercial growers focus try to focus so much on food fish, and they don't realize that you can't actually get a USDA food processing or meat processing license if you're also a certified THC facility. So if you're medical or recreational, you can't you can't actually process your fish. And even the even if you're just doing hemp, um, you know you still have problems with the meat guys just not wanting to step foot in the facility because it's, it's still Schedule One as far as the USDA you know USDA is concerned unless it's hemp. But even then, their inspectors for the meat stuff are still kind of weird about it. So we've had issues with that on finding a hard time uh, processing it. Um, whereas you can apply for a pet trade license or, or an aquaculture license, um, uh, depending on where you're at in, in the country, uh, or an import export license and make way more money off those butterfly koi or arowanas or you know some other fish that you know is going to give you a lot more uh, dollars per inch gained. Uh, than the tilapia will, which, you know, a, a one pound tilapia is going to, you know, maybe get you four to six bucks worth of meat oh, yeah. or a butterfly koi, which is going to resell, you know, a decent sized butterfly koi will sell for wholesale for, you know, 20 to $75 each. So that's quite a considerable difference in terms of, you know, revenue potential uh, versus a, you know, four to $6 tilapia. Uh, I think even on the low end, even a, a you know not thrilling looking butterfly koi, once it's beyond 12 inches, is going to command you know at least 25 to 30 dollars wholesale. So, if you're going to grow them for one to two years, your your dollar gained per month you know uh, on the property is just much much better. Especially butterfly koi because they're in such high demand all the time. Yeah, and you and you don't have to mess with fish guts ever. <laughs> they're a lot more fun to look at. <laughs> Before we go through any room, we spray ourselves with isopropyl. We step through the soak pads, make sure we don't spread anything from room to room. <laughs> so we're going into the flower room now, or the mom room, the, the, the room that we showed you a little bit earlier. My internet's skipping a little bit, so I'm gonna bump the video down a little bit. I apologize, but you want to run back and talk about any of that, uh, the fish filtration or any of that? Sure, we can. I can replay that section again, no problem. All I right. I, I talked about it earlier with the Nelson and the Nelson and Paid design. That's all, all the filtration you'll see in the background in this. But uh, well, you guys have done some modifying on that. You, you've added some extra tanks and and replumbed replumbed it quite a bit from the original layout yeah yeah definitely so what what you're seeing here is the just the basic solid separation it goes down around the baffle and what those are little cone bottom tanks and we can pull sludge off the bottom of those to be remineralized or go through additional filtration and eventually makes it makes its way out into the uh the compost pile or back into the to the aquaponic system and then what you see down there on the right hand side is where we can pull or on the left hand, excuse me, 
is uh, where we can pull off our aquaponic system water and when we're going through on our dual root zones and, and top dressing them in flour to give them a little extra nutrients or like you see right here, add our compost tea into to any of those mixes to treat the soil layers. We can then go through and with a wand apply any of that stuff kind of, you know, with pinpoint precision and plant by plant basis kind of thing. Yeah, we got our, our teas brewing up over there. So tell us, tell us a little bit more about the teas that you make or, you know, I've done a couple of, you know, one-off videos just on general mixes, but what are, what are some of the different things, you know, again, you don't get into secret sauce or anything that you're doing, but what are some of the different teas or things that you guys add that you find are beneficial that maybe other people don't, you know, a lot of people don't talk about teas and stuff like that in aquaponics. What are some of the stuff that you've seen really, really help out? So we do a, a, a fair amount of some K and F methods and, and adapt some of those to do a little bit of uh, IMO and an indigenous microbe collection to and work some of that into the teas through like the liquid IMO, IMO3. Uh, but basically our, our teas are designed or our main purpose behind doing them is to increase our microbial diversity that we're getting in our soil layers. So we'll do, we use a, a few different uh, commercially available products like recharge is a big one that will uh that we're happy to plug at any time it does it does well for us that's what's in in that one you see right there it's so dark uh is because of the recharge in that but it's just a good way to get get a whole bunch of different microbes in there and uh and yeah the plants seem to really like it but we'll we'll spruce those up with you know alfalfa and kelp and you know we've got a, a bunch of different mixes and that we'll we'll put together depending on really what the plants are the plants are calling for. If we see them hurting for something, we try to uh, doctor it and tweak it and uh, you know give them what they give the plants what they crave. Brondo, whatever it takes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go up to. Actually, this part's pretty cool. We spray off. I forgot we showed everybody the roots. I think that's the next thing that comes yeah. up here. Wait till you see the roots on these things. These are even bigger than the ones that we had at the other spot that I showed you guys. Yeah, you can't you can't lift these ones out like we did those. Yeah, yeah, they just don't. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Anymore. Uh -uh. They're they're just about out of control. We're about to have to resort to the hedge trimmers to to knock them down in between uh, clonings. But yeah, that's that's what I was talking about earlier when I said they were just thick with roots. You can just barely see it down there. Our uh, our heat exchanger and some of our aeration tubing poking through. But yeah, other than that, you can't even see the bottom of the pools uh, through the roots. And yeah, as you're showing there, the uh, the trunks on the bottom of those. I think they've graduated to trunks from stems at this point. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're no, they're, I agree. They're getting pretty chunky. <laughs> <laughs> those roots, straight up, some of those roots are four to six feet long, and I'm not exaggerating at all when I say that. I'm sure there's some in there that are considerably longer as well. Mm -hmm. We've had them. You can see the boards there. They're a four foot width, and we've had a, roots on 
on a plant sticking out from under an empty board and across to the other side. So I can say every bit of four feet long, at least. You can see all of them. I mean, look at the trunk on that one there. Just to the, just what you're pointing at is, is, you know, five, six inches in diameter on that bottom left one there. Yeah. This one just absolutely massive. <laughs> Yeah, you can see we've had to go through and, and lop off some pretty sizable branches just to keep her, keep her from getting too top heavy. Yep, that's what happens with the moms. It just yeah. is what it is. Oh, and that's, that's one of the other big benefits to having them in a dual root zone. Because if you just had that in a DWC, even those wide bottom bases, they'd be flopping all over the place. I've seen it happen in other grows. Oh, and we, we had that problem here too. You can see some of the, the holdovers there. But before we put that that little net cup and the hydrogen down there to really like anchor it and spread those roots out. We were getting that, that issue with like that one there. <laughs> yeah. So you got, tell us about this one. Is this one again, we talked a little bit about earlier, but yeah, do we, I think we come in here and look at it. Yeah. So one day she just started kind of levitating up off of the pools and it got higher and higher and you can see she's still kind of climbing, just twirling <laughs> her roots up and going for the sky. <laughs> yeah you can see some of our bug bags hanging there for our our swirsky mites that we've got out on the moms and i think we showed the lace wing we got some lace wing eggs out in there too as part of our beneficial release program we're always always continuously introducing at least a little bit so a little seed to the population uh and then of course hoping and creating a sustainable habitat that they hopefully reproduce and and breed out in our greenhouse. Yeah, that's that's the gelato right there, actually. That the really dark bud that we were looking at earlier is that massive mom on the corner. Yeah, look at the size of that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, they're they're starting to get a little top heavy there. And the room smells great too. I mean, they're sticky, icky, icky. Yeah, they, they've certainly exceeded our expectations. I was hopeful, but they've, they've done even better than expected. Yeah, and definitely great if you're looking to, again, if you've never grown cannabis in aquaponics, grab some auto seeds. Grab Jeff Lowenfeld's auto book and, and throw them in your aquaponic system and away you go. You make a dual root zone pot, stick them right in there, germinate them in the system. Autos don't like to be moved. They're pretty pouty about that. Uh, and away you go. Yeah, we definitely, we set them and forget them with a bunch of these. Uh, came back and we, like I said, we didn't do any defoliating on these gals, but uh, germed them, got them in their one gallon pots and then they went straight into those those pots you see there and never never moved again from the pools quite impressive man some monsters for sure certainly uh more impressive than just about just about any other uh, commercial grow i've ever seen in, in cannabis for aquaponics that's for damn sure thank you it's absolute monsters and then they got this there's one over here I kind of like. I don't know why. It just is kind of funny shape to it. Some of them just speak to you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, really. My only my only negative of this run was the diversity. <laughs> it was kind of a, a shotgun blast of different phenotypes that we got a hold of, but I can't complain too much. Yeah, looks nice. The last of your lettuce is there in the corner. Yeah, the last of it's working its way out. We're about done with uh with salads out at the farm. We're moving on to a different kind of different kind of cabbage. Hey. That cabbage makes more bread. And then you got some some pheno testers on the left there you were working on earlier. Yeah, over here on the tables, you can kind of kind of see them. I, I think we walk on over there and, and check them out. But we're we're popping uh, in between 20 and 30 seeds each, each, month, each month, excuse me. And uh, we'll grow them out and kind of pheno hunt them, uh, see who we're liking. We usually wind up taking maybe about half of them up to the flower room, flowering them out, checking out each one, and then you know, picking from there before we establish a new, either establish or in some cases we don't, uh, a new strain out of the farm. We're trying to keep somewhere around, you know, 10, 12 strains in, a, in the stable that we're running at any one time. Any more than that kind of turns into a, a mess in terms of logistics and trying to keep everything straight and your your batch sizes for testing and all that it's it's better to have a few star strains instead of you know just throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks you want to talk a little bit about this here the uh you use these for mineralization tanks i guess it used to be like a z-dep or something and you guys have replumbed it to just function more like a mineralization now yeah so we we'll pull our sludge and uh we'll swirl it around in here and for, for a while and get it, yeah, some of that mineralization. We need to add a little bit of extra aeration in here. They're not getting as much churning as, as we want. And you, you can see there's a little inline bead filter that we can use there for, for polishing it up before, before adding it back into the system. Mm -hmm. But just cool. a way to kind of wring out any, any last bit of goodies from the, from the fish poop before it goes out to the solids pile and makes its way into the compost. Sure. And then awesome. yeah, our degas tank right there. You can see that little a little valve in the middle is where all the rainwater comes in. So whenever we want to, we we hit the valve on the pumps outside and have about seven thousand gallons at our disposal to top off or dilute down or add to a mix or anything like that we need to. Cool. Well, uh, I'll be right back, Marty. You want to take over for a second? Uh, sure. So let's see if we have any other questions from chat here real quick. Uh, what lights are those uh, that you can keep them five feet above the canopy? Yeah, so we're not really super happy with uh, with our distance from those lights, but those ones are, they're thousand watt HPSs. So we do, we have to dial them back and we've got them on a, on a little dimmer system so we don't get the full, full juice from those bad boys all the time. Nice. The Gray Sun Grow wants to know what cultivar of the autos that you're running. Uh, those would be a wedding cake and a lemon haze are the two we've got out there. Only only two cultivars on out of all those autos and probably about 20 vinos. Yeah, pretty good variation there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what breeder is that? 
Did you get them from? Is that somebody that's available? No, we, we got them from somebody who was actually doing kind of a limited uh, trial run on some of those. So he's not offering them out to the public just yet. We're gotcha. doing some some little test test runs and collaborations right now. So the the variation was to be expected and, and it is fair and no, no knock to them by any means. Somebody else wanted to know how old are these plants and do you use the same plants for multiple flower cycles? So the, the autos, certain, no, they're about, I want to say they're around 120 days I might be off. I can, I can, I'm going to pull that up right now. Now you got me curious, but for <laughs> the, uh, the moms, we do multiple runs off of those. We'll, we'll get, you know, eight, 10 rounds out of them at any one time to, to about the size they're at now. And really our, our limiting factor on number of runs we can get out of the mom is more the, the size of them and just keeping them managed and, and cut back indoors just because we can't let them get as big as right. they want to without them starting to to top over so we're limited on you know number of runs that we crank out of each one of those moms just by that parameter but uh well, yeah pretty uh pretty common to where you're you know taking multiple generation of clones off of the moms but then once you flower a cut it gets harvested um and and pulled out so one one flower per per clone um one flower hey, cycle i should say answer your question i pulled it up on our uh on the old grow flow, we're we're at ninety days on those on those auto flowers on the pool. Ninety days from seed. Mm -hmm. There you go. All right. Let's see if we got any questions here. Somebody just saying, "Great job on the single yellow leaf." Yeah, it looks like. Um, how do you lower your nitrogen in flower? So we'll do a combination of well, a cutting back on the on the feeding, so not giving them quite as much as they they totally want as as one way to kind of meter that nitrogen, and then we can also bring in a lot of that rainwater and dilute down if we need to uh, cut it back real bad. Sure, try to keep the nitrogen PPMs mm -hmm. you know, within a certain range usually, <clears throat> but yeah, cutting back on feed, and um, so I the way that I do it is I cut back both on the amount of feed and then also uh, the amount of times that I feed, I really cut back towards the end. So at first I'll cut back to just half as much feed. And then usually at about four weeks or so, I'll start cutting back to um, skipping days. So I'll, and then all the way towards the end, I'm only feeding every other day, half as much as I used to. So it drops down to about a quarter of the original food. And I'm sure the koi aren't super happy about it, but that's one of the, the flexible uh, things about them is they'll definitely survive. I mean, sorry for all you people that are, you know, don't don't call PETA on me. I'm not torturing my fish or anything. Artilapia would disagree. Artilapia about throw a riot if you try to skip feeding them for a day. But yeah. we, we do that same thing. We'll cut them back and Man, they get angry. They'll boil that water when you go walking by and start splashing yeah. everything They'll around. Soak and... the shit out of you if you if you ignore them too long. They will just soak you every time. Yeah, you they will. I think um, I think they're else, a little bit uh, spiteful. <laughs> someone else asked uh, about, or someone asked about the nitrogen. Um, Bain's seen this too on a facility. Actually, 
Uh, do I have pictures of it? Oh, I don't feel like digging up all those pictures, but um, and the other facility that I, or a lot of the bigger and newer facilities that I designed, we have two separate main systems. So one's for veg, one's for flower, and those grow beds can kind of be plumbed between either sets of sump. Like, so each greenhouse bay will have its own sump and it's uh, set up in its own um, uh, for its beds that are always tied to that. Now we can switch the amount of number of fish tanks that are going to any given um, uh, uh, system so that we can run functionally veg systems and flower systems. So I can run either much fewer fish tanks or I can run a lot more fish tanks if I want to increase that nitrogen and some of the other nutrients. And then in flower, as I want to throttle it back, we might start off with four tanks and cut that down to one tank over the, you know, every, every two weeks we're taking a tank offline uh, or every three weeks we take a tank offline and move that over to the next veg system as, as they come online. So as those plants need more nutrients, we're shifting it from veg to flower and vice versa. Or alternatively, we'll just run two straight systems of sumps and the grow beds get plumbed between them, uh, depending on the, the system. But either way, they're always continuously, you know, uh, plumbed. So it's kind of like a hybrid decoupled coupled system where they're always coupled, but they can be recoupled to uh, uh, be kind of basic functionally between two systems. Uh, and I found that especially when you get to the really big scale, it just makes ma water management a lot easier. Uh, and, and then if I need to top feed the plants separately in order to give them different nutrient stuff, a lot of times what we'll do is in a facility, the type of size of beans will run manifolds down the center of each row. And then we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, top water with the irrigation system uh, from a manifold, uh, a, a standard manifold for like you would for vertical, ta vert vertical towers or something like that. Um, so watering into the dual root zone. Yeah, watering into the door. Yep, exactly. Um, so that that and it just automates that portion of it. But again, it just depends on the on, on how people want to do their setup. Everyone's a little bit different. Everyone has different preferences, and and it really um, you know if it works for you, then it works for you. And 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 you know they like the benefit of having that kind of hands-on care with the plants and getting a little bit of time to to IPM check them and all that. And if they can make their that work with their schedule and. And that works with the scouting and incorporating scouting as part of the program. Then, then that, then that's uh, you know, sounds like it's a good thing as as far as that goes. And you got some a great picture of you behind you. You want to tell us a bit about, about that one? That's a hell of a picture. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, so that's actually the plants that you saw in the flower room on the rolling benches. That's them uh, three weeks ago uh, after they'd been cloned off of the. The mamas, they come down here. This is the, the aquaponics behind us. Those are all the moms there on the, on the pools. They'll get cloned, spend, you know, about two weeks in the clone room, and then they go out on the benches. We're, we're super happy with that. that, that yeah, the consistency we were able to get off of them. You can go through and take, you know, three, four hundred clones off of one mom plant. The amount of consistency you're able to get off of them when you can feed them all exactly the same and they all respond exactly the same is very nice and it and it makes for a nice sea of green across those rolling benches that uh, is very pleasing when you're trying to replicate something a couple hundred times and, and be able to paint with pretty broad strokes across a group of plants. And we have another question is are you considering brewing some sort of tea are you constantly brewing some sort of tea or is it just as needed? Uh, how do you keep the teas with the proper micron or micro populations if you're constantly brewing tea? 
So we're not constantly brewing tea. We'll do, they, they get about a tea every week and more if they're, you know, if, if something weird pops up and we're trying to, you know, kind of spot treat something, we'll, we'll brew a, a you know, an offhand one on a, on a weird day. But as, as far as the micro populations are concerned, that's where that, that compound scope I was talking about earlier is even if you're not able to, which is very hard to do, even if you're not able to ID absolutely everything you're see, seeing on there, if you can get broad classifications down and, and be able to, you know, spot the good guys and bad guys as far as, as some like basic structures are concerned, the nice compound scope and being able to prep up some slides and really take a peek at it is uh, critical for, for making those kinds of judgment calls on the uh, on micro population, especially. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I know uh, I'm a big fan of doing teas pretty, pretty regularly. Uh, I know um, I pretty much will always dedicate, you know, some type of brewer to have constantly making new batches of some type of tea. Now I might rotate, so I might do uh, a normal, you know, traditional type tea, and then I might rotate with that with maybe a rotifer or a tea or something else to try and apply a, a different type of microbe into my uh, my stuff and then i might do some type of labs mix after that you know it just depends on again like you're saying what i need if i if i think i might suspect a, a fungal issue somewhere i might immediately you know quadruple my labs production for a week or two just to make sure i have it on hand uh, so i can use that for treatment and then that's the other nice thing too about keeping at least a small batch of labs going at all times um, uh, because you can very rapidly scale that up in just a couple of days and make a couple months worth, you know, enough to application for the next few months uh, as needed if you have to. So, um, you know, it, it's just something that you can scale rapidly as long as you have some on hand uh, uh, and it's always good to have. Um, let's see, what lights are those that you keep five feet above the canopy? I believe those are high HPS, right? Yeah, they are. We, we answered that one. They're 1,000 watt HPSs, but we've got them on a... Uh, on a dimmer system so we can dial them back because they are they are a bit hot for for running them got you uh so do you guys believe in foiler spraying and do you use anything to enhance terpenes um i would say i think a lot of our i'm hoping at least a lot of our practices are in enhancing our terpenes but as far as the uh foliar sprays no we don't do at least not uh heating we do foliar uh, sprays from an IPM standpoint, so things, you know, labs and different biocontrols that we'll put out foliarly, uh, but uh, not not much feeding. We, we like to do all our feeding through the root zone whenever possible. Very cool. Have you guys considered uh, breeding any of your own cultivars? We thought about it, but for me, in in a spot of this size, the risk of having a uh, male on the property is not worth what it, it's not worth the risk to me for the for the fun and experimentation of, of doing our own breeding program uh to be quite honest that accidents can happen if you have a male and flower around and stuff can go bad really really quick with that kind of stuff on property so no we don't do any breeding and we we don't keep any boys at the farm I believe uh, most of your males become turtle food for the uh, overstocked turtle pond that you guys have there at the bottom. Yeah, they, of they make their way out to the compost pile pretty quick. They get the, the chop. <laughs> it's funny. He's not even lying. You, they'll, they'll, they'll have the compost out there. The whole whole bunch of turtles just munching away on the, the <laughs> decaying uh, 
it's funny as hell. Um, uh, as far as uh, foliars go, I only foliar for IPM. I don't, I don't foliar feed at all. I don't. Uh, we try at Aquaponics Source. We foliar fed a whole bunch of stuff, and we would RO wash all of those leaves before we'd send them in to make sure that we weren't getting residual, right? Just a you know quick dip and a quick rinse and then a, a quick dip again and a quick rinse just to make sure there's nothing from the outside of the leaf. Very few foliars actually change the internal content of that leaf. Um, we, we did not have the results that we were expecting to have. And you certainly can't, you know, foliar feed a cannabis plant where you have trichome heads that you're going to have maturing. It's just a, with anything that might contaminate those, so, I mean, it's just, it's too risky, right? So um, we, I don't do anything like that as far as foliars. And as far as terpenes, uh, we've talked about this quite a bit on the show, but uh, the key to terpenes is, is microbial biodiversity in the root zone. However you want to achieve that is up to you as a grower. But that's the key to growing in a high, high, high terpene levels is high microbial biodiversity. Why does plant, why do plants make terpenes? To defend themselves from the environment, be it UV, insect, fungal, um, you know, uh, cold. Um, all of those things trigger different genes for different terpene production to help the plant uh, defend itself from that environmental factor. So uh, by, able, by being able to um, increase your biodiversity, now we like to use dual root zone pots, uh, which have both terrestrial soil and aquatic biomes, which gives us much more biodiversity off the bat because of the difference in, in you know, aquatic versus terrestrial and, and all the different webs are, are radically different. Uh, and then also, um, uh, just inoculating with teas and things, just like he's talking about doing IMO collections of local microfauna that are plant beneficial, and then also doing lactobacillus doses and, and these other microbial doses to help stimulate that plant's immune system in a whole bunch of ways that are non-pathogenic. And that really is the, that's the number one key to getting high terpene levels in your cannabis is high, high microbial diversity in the plant's root system. That's what triggers it. And then good genetics, obviously. That always helps. It helps, just a little bit. <laughs> um, so I'm running water from my aquarium to my plants. Your facility is awesome. Thank you for showing us. Um, what about WCA and veg? Um, you could totally top feed WCA, but um, again, WCA, I mean, unless I have a slaughterhouse at the scale that he has, that's not going to work. I mean, uh, what's the total square footage on that facility? It's pretty big. We're, we're just under 10,000 uh, square feet of canopy. Yeah. And that's canopy, not actual greenhouse space. So that's, you know, that's real impressive, man. That that's, that's larger. That's is, yeah. It's larger than, than most lettuce facilities that are out there by, by a considerable amount. Um, so labs is a, awesome. We use it in our aquaponics system for chickens and our rabbits. It's really helped reduce the smell. Hell yeah, that's a great, yeah, that's like a great it. use. Yeah, anything that great stinks on a farm, it with labs, man, it will stink a lot less. Mix it with your cat litter. You have a litter box. It's great for that too. Just uh, you know, really helps keep pretty much any ammonia smell down. If you uh, if you got landmines in your yard from your dog, then uh, just sprinkle it on top. Helps eat break those down a lot faster. 
if you don't uh, if you're not scooping it's a great way to, to break them down where they're at <laughs> compost on site <laughs> yeah we have a section where you know the dogs just go out there to you know do their business we don't really walk out there very much so we don't worry about like scooping that part of it so i just throw some bokashi brand over the top of it <clears throat> it's great for breaking it down Hold on, I got a picture of some of IMO. Here it is. So this is, we put some plants outside to, uh, we put some plants outside in order to harden off in one gallon pots. And one of the farm cats came and took a shit in it. And obviously we had to destroy the plant for biosafety reasons. But I wanted to show you that the IMO uh, game was so good on the soil that the IMO completely covered that cat poop before it had a chance to do anything. You know, it did not have a chance to rot or anything. It was instantly covered by the mushroom fungi. So if you do have your really, you know, if your soil and everything is really on point, you can have some, you know, even an animal take a dump right directly on your plant and, and nature will immediately, you know, fix the issue. Kind of a funny picture to show people, but it's always fun. That is funny. Now who <laughs> thought nature doing nature things and breaking down <laughs> animal waste? That's right. Yeah. Oh, show. Oh, uh, one other thing I was going to mention real quick before I forget. Um, for you Texan aquaponic growers, uh, I will be speaking at the Lucky Leaf Expo in Austin, Texas on May 14th and 15th. I don't remember exactly what time my conference I, I don't even think they gave me my time yet I gotta look um, uh, in my email but um, uh, I, they do have the flyers ready so um, I, I did want to give them a quick shout thanks for giving me a chance to, to talk it's a CBD expo and uh, you know also talking on the uh, hopefully up-and-coming uh, cannabis uh, industry here uh, down there in Texas so uh, definitely check that out um, I'll be speaking on uh, uh, how aquaponic production can increase flavor, speed of growth, and profits. And um, yeah, it's going to be a fun, fun talk. And uh, uh, it's going to be one of a couple talks I'm going to be doing across the South this year. Uh, I got a, a couple of different groups I'm going to be speaking with this year, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, definitely check that out. If you're down there in Austin, uh, let's get together and have a good time. Certainly looking forward to seeing. I hear many interesting, cool things about Austin. I have yet to actually be there. And uh, I'm going to get a chance to go see um, uh, some other friends down there that uh, that I've known for a long time that are in the aquaponics industry. So that'll be a lot of fun as well. Oh, yeah. Austin's a great place. Hell, yeah. Well, is there anything else you wanted to mention about aquaponics or, uh, you know, what you got going on over there or... Um, anything else before we let you go? And then, uh, do you want to tell everybody how to find uh, your Instagram and uh, and your uh, your dispensaries and everything? Yeah, definitely. No, I, that's all about all we got at the farm. Just thanks again for having me on. We're always always happy to share, and uh, it was good having you out to video and, and check the place out. Uh, and then you can find us, of course. Uh, that's Vertica Farms OK for Oklahoma uh, on Instagram, and then. Check out the dispensaries at verticadispensary.com uh, and you can find 
all of our social media, store locations, deals, all that kind of stuff on uh, that dispensary website. So yeah, check us out and we'd love to hear back from you. Cool. Well, um, shoot, Marty took off, damn it. All right, well, uh, Marty's had quite a bit of things going on in his life, so that's okay. Um, you can find Marty at AP Meds on Instagram or YouTube, sound, uh, or I think that's all he's on is Instagram. Uh, I think he's also got a Patreon too, where he does some cool content, um, if memory serves me right. Um, and then you can find Marty and I's class over apmjclass.com. If you need nutrients, you can also find nutrients over at apmjnutes.com, apmjnutes.com. Um, actually, I'll do a quick. Um, uh, thanks a lot, uh, Bain, for taking the time to come on tonight, Mia. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, certainly. Thanks for having me. Um, I guess maybe in closing, any last advice to people that want to get into the uh, the aquaponics or cannabis industry, especially Oklahoma? I think I've gotten that question quite a bit lately. How do I get into the uh, cannabis industry? Uh, any advice for people since you are a, a head grower of a, a very snazzy facility there? And my, my real advice is just, I guess, make sure you got the passion for it because there's there's no substitute for that. You got you got to really want to get out there and, and watch your plants grow and, and listen to them when they talk to you because they'll, they'll let you know when stuff's going wrong. But uh, you got to be willing to, to get out there and check, and check in on them. That's super important. No, and no, no replacement for it either. There's not a, a program you can do or an application you can have that, that'll beat. Get out there, check them out, look at them real close, get a, get a scope. So uh, here's the the website. We do have uh, veg and flower kits if you're looking for that as well. Um, so, um, you know, and you can pick all the way down to 10 gallon aquariums and up from there. So I know we have a lot of people that are doing really small systems and are wanting to try to do stuff. So we've, we've made some kits for that. And then also you can get all your, your individual nutrients if you want to buy them by the pound or four pounds, or, you know, you can buy more than that if you, if you write us. Um, and uh, yeah, just all the different stuff that you need, all sourced fish safe. Uh, and has dosing instructions. If you write us and tell us what you got, we'll give you instructions for your system uh, for a lot of the stuff. So, uh, and if not, you can always go to the, the subscription service and we'll take care of all the headache for you. So definitely check that out. And then uh, uh, appreciate everybody coming on and uh, appreciate you coming on Bain and giving us access to your facility. Uh, I'm gonna post a bunch of these videos edited together on uh, on YouTube here, and that's uh, and we'll get some some more video content up with there, and then uh, I'm sure we'll we'll be back again for another tour once uh, uh, once everything's in uh, in full swing. Uh, it sure would be nice to see that uh, other room when they're all just as stacked as these ladies. And uh, yeah, kind of yeah, please them. please we'll do. We'd be happy to have you anytime. Yeah, man, we'll have to come back right when you chop them, and look, that'd be great. I'd love to show off all the hard work you guys are doing over there. Well, thanks. Yeah, it. it takes a village and a big shout out to the team because you can't you know no, no one person can do it and we've got a great team out there that puts in a lot of work and a lot of dedication to make it all happen so uh, that's really the important thing is having a team that communicates well gets along well and can can yeah, get stuff done and, and vibes well with one another gets along and, and can dig in when there's a room full of plants that need a lot of love <laughs> yep 
it happens. You know, you get focused on a different part of the facility and you, you turn around and you're like a week behind defoliating and it looks like Jumanji in the other room. And, you know, the new guys be half eaten by Seymour in the corner and you got to go hack him out of the, the mouth of the, the giant flower over there before you sit, you know, or they just get, you know, over res and they just get stuck there. Stuck against the wall. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh, but yeah, thanks a lot for, for taking the time and coming on and giving us access to, to come and do some filming there and showing off all the awesome stuff. I know you're going to be doing uh, hopefully a lot more talks this year and some of the other other places. And, uh, and you're certainly one of the industry leaders in aquaponic cannabis. And, uh, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Well, thank you, man. A shout out from you is always appreciated. And keep doing what you do and spread, spreading that knowledge around. I know it certainly benefited me and I'm sure many others. So keep it up and thanks for having me. Awesome. And uh, thanks everybody for watching. You can find us at uh, apmjclass.com, <clears throat> uh, apmjnewts.com, Potent Ponics, and Growing with Fishes on your favorite uh, app. And um, hey, if you got a couple extra bucks, I am going to ask everybody again, uh, if you are able to, uh, please donate to Stony Scholars um, Family Relief Fund. Uh, he was a good friend of ours and a good friend of the show, good friend of Embracing Organics, good friend of the Do Grows crew. Uh, he was always there at the Do Grows events, uh, helping us set up the, the cups and everything. And he was just a wonderful guy. He was he passed away in March and uh, we, we started a little relief fund for his wife. So if you are able to, uh, donate a couple bucks, you know, if you got a couple, you know, coffees worth of buck, or maybe take your coins you got sitting in your jar and, and, uh, and, and throw that over here to, uh, to his wife, it sure would help her out a lot. So, uh, thanks a lot. You know, as a community, we try to support our family when, when bad things happen. And, uh, I know I've donated a couple of times here now, and, uh, I'd love to, to see more people help out. And, uh, I do appreciate everyone that has, and, um, it sure has made a big difference for her. So thanks everybody that has and uh, and we appreciate everybody and uh, we'll see you guys again next week we have a, a we're going to do something on 420 we're, we're still cooking up some stuff uh well, i'm certainly going to try and hop over on the the dude grows uh, uh event there that'll be a lot of fun and then uh we will um um yeah it'll be a lot of uh we'll we'll certainly have our own uh a show and then we'll be back again on thursday with another great guest so Cheers and thanks again uh, to Vertica. Again, Vertica, you can find their dispensary 